Get this full audiobook for free by clicking now the link in the description. It's brought to you by The Book Guide. The only way Adam would agree to return to Texas was if they allowed me to come too. It was a battle finally getting both sets of parents to agree, but Adam argued that he was the one dying and he should be allowed to dictate who he's with and what happens when that time comes. It's been five weeks now since I came to Dallas, and the two of us have run out of sympathy from both sets of parents. I was told I have to return to Portland immediately, or my parents will be slapped with truancy charges. If it weren't for that, his parents might have let me stay, but the last thing my parents need right now is legal issues. My flight is today, and we've exhausted all other ideas for how I can convince them that I don't need to be on that flight. I didn't tell Adam this, and I won't, but last night, after more pleas from me, his mother Lydia finally voiced her true opinion on the matter. You're fifteen, Auburn. You think what you feel for him is real, but you'll be over him in a month. Those of us who have loved him since the day he was born will have to suffer with his loss until the day we die. Those are the people he needs to be with right now. It's a strange feeling when you know at fifteen that you just lived through the harshest words you'll ever hear. I didn't even know what to say to her. How can a 15-year-old girl defend her love when that love is dismissed by everyone? It's impossible to defend yourself against inexperience and age. And maybe they're right. Maybe we don't know love like an adult knows love, but we sure as hell feel it. And right now, it feels imminently heartbreaking. How long before your flight? Adam asks as his fingers delicately trace slow circles down my arm for the last time. Two hours. Your mother and Trey are downstairs waiting for me. She says we need to leave in ten minutes in order to make it on time. Ten minutes, he repeats softly. That's not enough time to share with you all the profound wisdom I've accrued while on my deathbed. I'll need at least fifteen. Twenty tops. I laugh what is probably the most pathetic, sad laugh to ever leave my mouth. We both hear the despair in it, and he holds me tighter, but not much tighter. He has very little strength, even compared to yesterday. His hand soothes my head, and he presses his lips into my hair. I want to thank you, Auburn, he says quietly. For so many things. But first, I want to thank you for being just as pissed off as I am. Again, I laugh. He always has jokes, even when he knows they're his last. You have to be more specific, Adam, because I'm pissed off about a whole hell of a lot right now. He loosens his grip from around me and makes a tremendous effort to roll toward me so that we're facing each other. One could argue that his eyes are hazel, but they aren't. They are layers of greens and browns, touching but never blending, creating the most intense, defined pair of eyes that have ever looked in my direction. Eyes that were once the brightest part of him, but are now too defeated by an untimely fate that is slowly draining the color right out of them. I'm referring specifically to how we're both so pissed at death for being such a greedy bastard. But I guess I'm also referring to our parents, for not understanding this, for not allowing me to have the one and only thing I want here with me. He's right. I'm definitely pissed about both of those things. But we've been over it enough times in the last few days to know that we lost and they won. Right now, I just want to focus on him and soak up every last ounce of his presence while I still have it. You said you have so many things to thank me for. What's the next one? 
He smiles and brings his hand up to my face. His thumb brushes over my lips, and it feels as if my heart lunges toward him in a desperate attempt to remain here, while my empty shell is forced to fly back to Portland. I want to thank you for letting me be your first, he says, and for being mine. His smile briefly transforms him from a 16-year-old boy on his deathbed into a handsome, vibrant, full-of-life teenage boy who is thinking about the first time he had sex. His words, and his own reaction to his words, force an embarrassed smile to cross my face as I think back to that night. It was before we knew he would be moving back to Texas. We knew his prognosis at that point, and we were still trying to accept it. We spent an entire evening discussing all the things we could have experienced together if we had a possibility of forever. Traveling, marriage, kids, including what we would have named them, all the places we would have lived, and of course, sex. We predicted that we would have had a phenomenal sex life if given the chance. Our sex would have been the envy of all our friends. We would have made love every morning.